This is Smart Politics. I'm your host, Anthony Arnold. This series of shows has been complex. To help make sense of what's been covered, I'm going to be bringing on the boss lady here at PointCast, Francine Dash, so that she and I can have a more freewheeling conversation about all of it. But I did want to try and wrap up my thoughts on the series first. While researching these shows, I was genuinely surprised. I think of myself as pretty well-informed and pretty well-read. I pride myself on having a good grasp of history and context, which is why it was shocking to me when I discovered that the history of political violence in this country is as deep as it is. I went in expecting to find unknown incidents and isolated events but I wasn't expecting to find nearly as much as I did. The history of violence in this country and the Western world as a whole is shocking across two fronts. Not only are there repeated examples of ferocious violence, but the regularity with which they've occurred means that much of our understanding of the guardrails of our politics is wrong. Much of what I've done on smart politics has dealt with possibilities that might seem fairly extreme. But even with that being the case, this series, more than any other I've done, has driven home the fact that we really must prepare for the possibility of the worst possible outcome, which would be a return of extreme political violence. And it could spring from anywhere. A relatively minor labor dispute, a demand for equality, a frustrated voter base, a president calling for it directly, the ways that it could force itself into our world are nearly limitless, which makes it all the harder to prepare for. But once I accepted the ease with which violence could return, I wanted to provide some kind of advice that we could all use to hopefully stop it. Because that's the job of voters, citizens, and everyday Americans. We each have a role to play, and only by collectively doing our parts can we avoid the mistakes of the past, shake free of our learned helplessness, and start building something better? And on that note, I'd like to welcome my boss, friend, editor, and sounding board, Francine Dash, to the conversation. Francine, what are your thoughts? Well, thanks again for putting together an incredible series. I have to say that uh, I was firstly overwhelmed by what I thought I knew versus what I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, some of these stories, real life history, really stand out as amazing uh, uh, kind of these uh, situations where progress came out of violent situations. Yeah. It sounds counterintuitive, but you're right. It, it's not like we don't want to have to return to a full state of violence. Right. And everything that goes with it. Right. I think my thoughts are that uh, we have to do a better job of understanding, truly understanding what it meant to get us to this state of democracy right. and what it takes to keep us here right. instead of going back into that kitchen. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. I, you and I had talked about this, the, the particular story with the labor dispute yeah. where like the guys were kidnapped and like put on a train and driven to the middle of the desert and left. It's so... It's beyond 
Right. Beyond, I can't even fathom. Right. I mean, I told you when I was researching that story, I ended up looking at old newspaper clips because I, I had to fact check it like 20 times because I, I couldn't actually process what I was reading. I was mm-hmm. like, this can't, this can't be true because how could I have not heard about it, right? Right, And right. I was like, okay, I, I need to research, 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 research. Right. I ended up over-researching that example because I, I didn't want to give people something that wasn't true. And right. I thought if this had happened, I would have heard about well, it. Well, I thought I would have heard about it too. And in researching <laughs> it um, myself and learning more about it, all I really found is that it was a story that that state became so ashamed Right. That they tried to bury it. Right. They tried to bury the history right. of what happened to these very real people. Right. As if that's all you have to do. You put it away and it never yeah. happened, but yeah. it still had an impact. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. And and you you think how many stories like that one have been lost because they've been successfully buried or we just don't have the attention necessary. And so, you know, that's an example of what you were saying, this sort of unknown history and the thing we don't want to return back to, right. which is so much of what of what I turned to as I put in my intro, once I began to accept how bad things really had been, it made it even more urgent that we really, we really have to try, even if we're willing to try, we have to mm-hmm. try silly stuff, crazy right, stuff, right. wild stuff, mm-hmm. naive, foolish things, right, because right. The, the thing we're coming from was... So bad. But I just feel like there's some people or some there's some instinct in us that's restlessly trying to move us toward violence. Yes. As if that will meet some sort of goal. Yes. And I don't think we recognize or perhaps value the goals that have been met through the women's women's suffrage, through the various labor disputes, through uh, the progress that Black Americans, African Americans have made, through all of these different, through even the founding of this country. Yeah. I don't think we, somewhere along the line, we've lost a sense of how much it yeah. really means. Yeah. So we're we're we are squandering. We are. But I wanted to you mentioned something there in the beginning and I actually wanted to because you mentioned I did want to pull that thread a little bit. Yeah. It's something I wasn't really positive how to how to work in here. So I'm happy you brought it up. There is an almost you can honestly almost say a, a a suicidal like gravity mm-hmm. with which pulls us back to violence. Mm-hmm. It's like we all recognize the the power of violence. Mm-hmm. Like if I can always harm my way to victory. Right. And so we recognize it's this ultimate power being able to kill and destroy this is mm-hmm. and we always seem to turn back to it. Whenever things get really hard there's this instinct to we could we could just do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think you're right. And I didn't know how to work it in. Because then you're, you know, it's it's morality and it's all these other things that weren't really right. the focus of the series. Right. But it's there. It is there. And it's usually in a space we're not really fully thinking it out. We we think of violence where we're the victor. We don't think of violence as Martin Luther King, who was killed. Right. We don't think of violence of, you know, all these people who, like, died. There there was much more suffering than there were people. You know, you're not going to be unscathed. Yep. 
yeah. and, and, and that situation, but we don't think it all the way through. We, Correct. So there is that human instinct. If I can't get what I want, I'll fight for it, at right. least in this culture and in this yeah. country. Um, and, you know, even when you look back, we mentioned, I mentioned the French Revolution earlier, and the thing is when you read about the French Revolution, you realize that there were the high-minded idealists, but like for a lot of regular French people, it was just sort of chaos and random violence. Like mm-hmm. you were just getting snatched up and thrown onto a barge where they would just drown hundreds of people at once in the river. That's, just... that's like, we think you're a traitor. We're just going to drown you in the river. Like wow. that's not even as guy dressed like a thing. They actually, they, they had so many people to execute. Oh my god! They goodness. just drowned them in the river. Oh my goodness. It was like an actual thing. I did thing. not learn that. That, that was part of the red terror worlds. part of the French revolution was there. Like we have so many people to kill. We just drown, drown them in the river all at once. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Kill them all at once and kill hundreds of people that way. And so your point, that's what violence actually looks like. You're more yeah. likely to be the victim right. as opposed to the victor. Exactly. <laughs> that's my point. And, and so I think that we have a system worth fighting for. Yeah. Right. I think that we have a dem- democracy worth salvaging. And I think it's in a better state than we all think. Oh, the the biggest problem I see is a lack of participation, yes. a heightened frustration, lack of participation, also a lack of understanding our true power. Right. Somewhere along the line, we think our power is in power unless we're following elected officials when it's right. the other way around. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> they, they have to date. There are probably, I guess, a few of them who would say, well, I'm not going to leave. There's probably always a few crazy people, but like 99.9% of the elected officials, if you just got rid of them, they, they would just leave. They're so that's not an intriguing like... concept to me. Let's <laughs> let's let's sit in this for a yeah. moment and really, really kind of like focus on what it means to be that America. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that's so that's good, right? Because there was another idea I, I was sort of playing with, and I said, me and Francine will probably get to it. So I'm happy to go to Francine and I for you grammar people. Francine and I, I know. But for it's the okay. rest of you, it's us. For my brother who's an English major, you are hearing this. I know Francine and I is the correct way. Calm down, bro. <laughs> uh, so most, so part of what you're saying, right? We have this idea of like, who are the, who are the elected officials that are valuable? Right. And which ones are not, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we basically just have it wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm going to use because I know the the politics of of who's who of Democrats a little better. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to use Democrats as an example here. So the most valuable senator for the Democrats is Joe Manchin. Now, that doesn't mean he's the one you agree with. Mm-hmm. That just means he's in a state that Republicans win by like 35 points and he manages to get elected. Right. He has to run ahead of whoever, every other Democrat on the ballot, he has to run like 40 or 50 points ahead of him. It's crazy. Like. Right. Uh, uh, that is just a seat Democrats have no business having. And plug, you kind of said that way back. I know, way back when. Yeah, I know. He, they have no business having a senator from West Virginia. The fact that he manages to get elected there is nothing short of a miracle for Democrats. Right. He's the most valuable Democrat senator, even if you don't agree with his views. Mm-hmm. Now there are other Democrat senators who you may agree with their views. More progressive Democrats, left-leaning people, may like their views more. So I'll give an example. Someone who, and this is someone who you know from our conversations. I do like. I like this next person personally. I think he seems to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. Cory Booker is honestly probably indistinguishable from what 
another Democrat senator from New Jersey would look like. In terms of, he has a seat that is probably likely to go to Democrats every year. Mm -hmm. If you look at how his voting pattern is, it's probably not any different than what you would get from a generic replaceable Democrat senator from New Jersey. Right? Pretty predictable. Pretty predictable. Right. Any Democrat senator from New Jersey is going to give you the same thing. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a comfortable state for them. It's an easy win. Mm -hmm. What this means is that the senator who's more valuable to you is Joe Manchin. But we do this thing where we go, the person who I agree with is the one who's the most valuable. Ah, uh, I see where we're right. Going. Yeah. We think of the Cory Bookers as super valuable because right. people people agree with them. Right. But you could. But replace it's easy them. for Cor it's easy for Cory Booker to be Cory Booker where he is. Exactly. Exactly. Right, right. So you go. Well, where could change happen? Mm -hmm. A safe seat is where you actually want to really experiment. You don't want to experiment with Joe Manchin because, like, when he's gone, you're not probably going to win that seat mm -hmm. ever again. Mm -hmm. You just want to let him do his weird thing. <laughs> you want to experiment with the Cory Bookers. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're going to like the real technical nuts and bolts, right? Mm -hmm. You want to experiment in safe seats. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to elect someone from New, New Jersey who's like, I don't know, elect the wildest Democrats you can. It's a safe seat. You're free to try any Democrat on the ballot. Mm -hmm. That's your seat. Mm -hmm. Just try something crazy. Elect some unknown blue candidate. Right. Just do weird stuff. Right. Do weird stuff in safe seats. If this happens, I will be like, because we predict too much on this show, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, if this happens, it'd be great. And again, I like Cory Booker. Right. I, I said to you again, before, this is strategy. I think he's inspirational. It, yeah, right. We're talking strategy because right. there were two parts of the series. The first one was the violence. The second one was the more strategic part. Right. The strategy is try crazy things in safe seats. Uh -huh. Try weird, bold. But what's the expectation candidates? that you that people could have if they did that? Because it's not necessarily spreading out their influence, right. and they still have to combat the mansion, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still have, look. You 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 always will have to combat the mansion thing, and I think the the reason to do this one as voters, mm -hmm. we have to send a message. Like, we're always watching. Mm. Like I see you. Like mm -hmm. I know you. You will come back to me. In two years, mm -hmm. in four years, in six years, you're going to come back. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching you. Right. Like, just, you just got to send the message you are always paying attention. Right. You got to send the message. No seat, is, no seat is a permanent. No seat is safe. No no seat is safe. I love that. Like, that's the, that's, again, that's the reason for this, right? I mentioned in the last episode, we had these crazy re-election rates. Yes. But I've also said to you before Congressional approval rating is like 25%. Mm -hmm. So how is it a and body you know with what? like 25% approval can right. have like 95% re-election? That's how? people not engaging. That's right. people. And I don't mean just voting. I mean, some people just go and they vote for the name they recognize. Right. Some people go and they vote for the party they feel closest to. But being strategic is something that's new to voters. Yes. Being strategic is a concept that some people just don't get right away. Yeah. So what you're talking about is that type of strategy. Absolutely. Right. That can give voters the one up in yes. those spaces instead of having to just live with your lumps. So yes. Whatever you get in there and they get in there yes. and they forget they were elected. Right. Yeah. There's a reason I repeated it twice over the course of this series. And I'll reference it again here. In the first episode and then in the last episode, I did apart from the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. 
reason. The, that declaration doesn't just say your responsibility stops with getting the rights. It then says you have an obligation to apply your, your mind mm-hmm. to how to use that right. Mm. That's what it means to have reason and conscience. Mm-hmm. It, it, it turns to you and says, I have given you this gift. But how we turned around and gift? we gave it back to right. the people we elected. But that's really our responsibility. Right. That's our fault. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a painful realization when you when you when you really accept that some of this is our fault. But see now that that talks about the culture of voting, right? Now yeah. how do you change? How would we begin to affect the culture of voting in this country where we vote and strategize as opposed to vote and then expect those we voted for to right. do this strategy for us? So I think you you start by changing it with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. You want them to look at voting as not just a gift to be used in a relatively passive manner, but as one to be maximized for power. We want to, I want it to be like currency in their wallet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Spending power. I mean, it's power. And right. In an episode about power, I mentioned we're so uncomfortable talking about power, mm-hmm. right? We've been trained well as voters. Oh, super well. Yeah. Super well. And that's why I said, you know, <laughs> the quote about power corrupts. I mean, that's Lord Acton. <laughs> this dude had power and was telling you, well, power no, no, corrupts. No, not for you, though. Yeah. It, it'll corrupt you. If but... you try to take my job, it'll corrupt you. <laughs> you don't want to do this. I'll take it. Hey, I'll take that hit. <laughs> this was a guy with power saying, oh, it's it's it's." it's too hard is too corrupting. You you would never want my job. And we're still falling <laughs> for those narratives that keep us right. from being the full-fledged voters, the fully right. active voters we right. need to be. And we have to embrace we have to embrace we have to embrace power. Yeah. We have yeah. to change the narrative around and voting. And get comfortable with it. Exactly. Right. Get comfortable with you are a powerful person. Mhm. You have not just real in the power. protests in the street, but in the voting centers right. as well. Exactly. Not to take away from that, but a lot of times that's an exercise of power, but also frustration. Right. Right. We really want to see that encapsulated in the right. vote. Right? right. Vote with meaning and purpose. Having meetings with people you're voting for. Because it's easier, a lot easier to get a meeting with an elected official when they're trying to get a vote than when they're in office. Try to Absolutely. call one now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You will never get a call back. I mean. I'm still waiting. Yeah. No, look, I tried. I've tried calling Senator Young. You're yeah. not going to hear from Senator Young. No. He's not on the ballot. The only way that they return is if you say you're going to bring some votes right. or some money. Right. But you catch them at a town hall yeah. when they yeah. come back. I mean, that's when, you know, we've seen all those videos of like People being put on the spot at town halls. They have. That's why they're trying to turn those town halls into one-way conversations. Right. right. Yeah. They want to become rallies as opposed mm-hmm. to conversations. Right. They don't. Right. They don't want to have to actually talk to you. Right. Um, right. Right. So it involves embracing those parts of our power, those parts of our voting culture, mm-hmm. and really transforming them in into the next the next evolution. Right. You mentioned strategy. Mm-hmm. So is this going back to Cory Booker? Well, no. <laughs> and again, and I like Cory. You and I talked about Cory. I we like love, Corey. Just for the record, we really like Cory. I like Cory. I've said before, I think Cory would be a better activist than a politician. Yeah. I said he talks about things with a moral 
clarity. It's beyond party that for is me. Way beyond yeah, politics. Yeah, I'm like yeah. Corey. Mm-hmm. Either do activism or like <laughs> preaching, because like that is what <laughs> clearly that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is not like yeah. I, I I like Corey Corey Booker. Corey Booker ever hears this? It's unlikely. <laughs> I like you, Cory Booker. Come on my show. Right. I would love to talk to Cory Booker about the morality of yeah, politics, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a fascinating, like, just his moral stuff. I mean, look, I don't, he's a vegan. Dude saves, like, he, like. He saves people and animals. Come he on. He saves people and animals. <laughs> like, burning building. Cory Booker's a senator who will run into a burning building to save people. Rand like, runs into a burning building. Jeez. Right. Crazy. He's wild. Yeah. So, but so strategically, right, you and I. When we were previewing this final trilogy of episodes for this series, mm-hmm. I mentioned the civil rights movement was like obsessed with strategy. They yeah. did everything with intention. Everything was planned. Everything was planned. Yes. They, they, they weren't winging it. Mm-hmm. They weren't flying by the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. They said, what we want is the vote. Right. Everything else that is not the vote is secondary. Right. If we get those things, they because they recognize nice. the power right of the vote, and nothing right. was going to change right if they couldn't get that right right. And we see this really well with Dr. King and LBJ. Yeah, I've seen LBJ the reluctant. Uh, <laughs> We've talked. I've talked so much about LBJ in our Slack stuff and like in our private group. He's like a wild guy. Yeah, who just said. Said some things that were offensive. Honestly, we're kind of racist. Racist, <laughs> right? you know. He, he was a Texan through, through and through. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's racist, he sexist. He all the ists. Yeah, he, he was good at that. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Just a gross, crazy, crass, racist, sexist, mm-hmm. wild president. Mm-hmm. And yet, here's Dr. King. Yeah, who recognizes this guy who's all these things mm-hmm. has the thing I want. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who can give me the thing I want. Mm. That goes back to your strategy yeah. earlier. and I'm going yeah. to work with him. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if he's all those other things. Right. I'm not trying to be friends with the man. Right. He has what I want, and I'm going to get it. Isn't that what, uh, not to skip around too much, but isn't that what abortion rights act or, or anti-abortion rights Folks wanted with with Trump getting yes. into office, didn't they use yes. that same uh, strategy? Yes. And hasn't it, it worked a, out for them, or it appears to? Yes, it has. It so, was a deal with the devil, and everybody knew it at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who remember the, the 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 moral panic around Clinton of the '90s, right, mm-hmm. where the more religious right and conservative movement basically America's coming to an end because the president had an affair in the Oval Office and. <laughs> I mean, probably more than one affair when we look back. We're like, hmm, do we really think it was just Monica Lewinsky? <laughs> unlikely. For I being, don't, that's some history I don't want to uncover. <laughs> for being honest, a lot of stories about sure. uh, Slick Willie, <laughs> President Clinton. But there was a real panic about right. the morality of the office, right? Mm-hmm. How could we have this president who has affairs, <laughs> who behaves in a crass way? Oh, my God, the country's going to end. And then you look and you go, but, yeah. but here you are 20 years later. Have you seen your guy? You Well, look, the difference is that, like, our guy has something we want, mm-hmm. which is we see these judges. Right. We see this seat. Right. We see these seats that could come open. So some voters are strategic. Yes. Uh, they behaved very strategically with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He had what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And they swallowed 
a, a great deal of because I can't shame tell you how many people I've run across who say, "Okay, I'm a Republican, but the other kind." Yeah, and and they are almost apologetic. Not that I'm ever asking, because I truly feel that you should vote for whomever you yeah. you want to vote for. That's yeah. none of my business. But uh, they were very clear. They were one issue voters. Yep. And yep. this was something that has they've been wanting to work toward, and they saw an opportunity and they seized it. Correct. And then, you know, this one woman, I'm not going to say her name in particular. She's like, I don't think he believes in anything. But I think he wants power. And if enough people around him are saying this, he'll just go with it. Yes. So we showed up and we said what we wanted and yeah. we went with And I'm like, hmm, yeah. okay. In in 2016, <laughs> there were you saw all these panels that lots of news places did. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk to prospective Trump voters, mm-hmm. ask them what they're what they're doing it for. I remember something like that happening in Indiana. I remember I, I because I am actually 95 years old. I was reading the paper <laughs> with my coffee because, again, I'm an old man. You know yeah, this. Yes, yes. I'm, I am I am old and washed. It's <laughs> a fact. So I was looking at it, and these voters are saying, it's about the courts. Yeah. Like, they kept saying, it's, it's about, about the, the courts. courts. Like, they said that in all these panel conversations. Right. Why are you voting for Trump? For the judges. Get the judges. They did they the like math. The ball. They did the math. They said it. Right. They did it. Right. Right. They said it. And I remember talking to my dad and I said, well, what is it they specifically want the judges to do? Mm-hmm. Well, they want them to, to get rid of Roe. Mm-hmm. This isn't. Well, I think it was Roe and I think it's right? affirmative action. Right. And this, right. this wasn't. This wasn't. They weren't hiding it under no, the table. No, it was said out loud. To yeah. CNN and Indianapolis Star and Fox News and right. MSNBC. Or, we're doing it for the judges, and we right. want the judges to do ABC thing for us. Mm-hmm. That's we're saying it because we want we actually want Trump to know. Right. The reason we're voting for you is for the judges. Right. If you don't give us the judges, we we probably won't vote for you again. But if you give us the judges, so, maybe we, we will. To vote his for credit, you. he picked up on that. Yeah. People told him what they wanted, yeah. and then he gave them exactly what they wanted. Because right. he just like <laughs> it, it was it was a transactional thing, mm-hmm. and politics. It's transactional. It is transactional. Uh, yeah. It's, we don't like to think of it as transactional. It is. Because. It, anytime power is involved. Right. Yeah. Because it seems messy. It seems uncouth. It's it wants un- to be yeah. about high-minded ideals. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a it's transactional. It's right. power-based in nature. And so, yes, they behave strategically with Trump. The civil rights movement behaved strategically with LBJ. Right. Exactly. And they got, they got what they wanted. Right. I mean. And both, both historical right. cases. Right. Yeah. Like. I've said before, President Kennedy was probably more in line with how people like to think of the presidency. When you look at what had happened to the civil rights bill under President Kennedy, it was languishing in the Senate. Yes. He didn't have the juice. Mm -hmm. He was not going to get it through. Mm -hmm. He had tried. He didn't have the combination of experience, wisdom, and just meanness, bulldog tenacity necessary to get the bill through. It was languishing. Right. Um, his frenemy Johnson did it. Yes, his frenemy Johnson did it. And and people should take some hard lessons from that. Sometimes the person who can deliver you what you want isn't the person you think. Right. So <laughs> politics isn't a, isn't about who you like. It's Correct. about who can get you what you want. Correct. And so our our voting strategy needs to yes. probably not even be around the concept of parties as much as ideals, yes. right? Like yes. what's important to me. Yes. Right. And that's recognizing that as part of the power. Correct. 
and whether it's something like climate change or gun violence or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to limit the number of issues that we think matter. Right. Because with both in both cases, they were single issue. Right. Voting rights. Right. Uh, anti-abortion. Right. If right. you spread out your focus to a dozen issues, to right. two dozen issues, you're not right. going to get any of them. Right. Because they dropped, affirmative action fell off somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. You're, you're, you're not going to get any of that. That's true. That's too much for them to think about. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you spread your power out among too many different things. Exactly. You know? 10% of you care about this. 15% of you care about this. There's mm-hmm. some overlap. But by and large, your, your power is diluted to, mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to too many issues. Mm-hmm. So you want to focus your power through two or three issues. Really? I'm not going to say going to say I'm just going to keep going. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. I'm just going to keep, you know, you want to focus it through a narrow number of issues mm-hmm. and, and think of yourself as the tip of the spear and really drive through. Mm-hmm. You got to drive through the noise. You got to drive through the messiness. You got to drive through their their desire to to confuse you and dilute you and spread you out and pick you off. So the lessons are, do you need a big coalition? Because technically, the, the Civil Rights Coalition was actually, the, the core group was small. Yeah. The core group was very small. Yeah. They did a good job of uh, training and empowering yeah. people to train and empower others. Yeah. Um, the There were a lot of different groups around the recent thing with yeah. anti-abortion. Um, and they didn't try to align on all the issues. No. They just aligned where they aligned, and yeah. it was different. So moving forward and kind of like bringing it together to people, how can I, if I find out something's important to me, yeah. what should I do? What's How do I yeah. get from what's important to me to a person, putting a person in that elected seat that's going to do it? Yeah, so... The first thing I would say people could do is do I have to form a nonprofit or something? I mean, the first thing is is about educating yourself better as a voter right. about what they want to do. And fortunately, that's actually really easy. Mm-hmm. Every election, every midterm, there's all sorts of reports. We can mm-hmm. start putting them on our page. Right. I right. share them on my personal Facebook page mm-hmm. all the time. I go, here's this person sort of it's sort of like a cross sheet to yeah. see where everybody stands. Yeah, it's on really everything. easy. Yeah. Provides you with contact information. I've yeah. used it myself multiple mm-hmm. times to reach out to campaigns, emails, mm-hmm. phone numbers, mm-hmm. especially when they're campaigning. Right. Like you said, right. that's a minute. To reach We've out had to that them. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really easy. Just educating yourself on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Number two, if there are non-incumbent candidates mm-hmm. who relatively match you, you should mm-hmm. actually vote for non-incumbents. <laughs> if there's even if the incumbent up. matches you better right right if there's a non-incumbent who matches you pretty well in terms of your desires as a voter right you should actually vote for because it's about being heard right <laughs> right like right. this situation where again 95 percent re-election this is madness this mm-hmm. is madness mm-hmm. there's absolutely no justification for sending back so many elected officials over and over and over Because the equivalent is owning right. a business where 95% of the employees aren't doing what you told them to do, <laughs> right. but you let them right. keep coming and right. you keep paying them. <laughs> your boss is like, if all your boss does is complain, and yeah. then every time you come up for a review, your boss gives you a raise and says, great job, do you? Right. Yeah, I'm not good. He's just complaining for no reason. Right. He obviously loves me. He's giving me huge raises. But that's right. what you do when you send back a member of Congress who you mm-hmm. hate. 
Mm-hmm. And you send back a member of your state legislator who you hate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may be saying that you don't like them, mm-hmm. but you keep sending them back for more. So, right, right. Uh, you know, you're giving them one of the best jobs in the world forever. <laughs> right, uh, you that's true. You can't keep saying you don't like them and mm-hmm. then keep giving them $200,000 a year jobs. Yeah, that's, forever. that's a horrible. Don't do that. I hate me. <laughs> yeah. So, like, get rid of incumbents. Right. We, people talk about term limits. The term limit is they come up for election every two, four, or six years. We don't really <laughs> need them. Just, <laughs> right. just vote. You, you could just get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, you don't have yeah. to force them to leave. Right. So, research yourself, get rid of incumbents. Now, the third one, this is something you and I talked about. Run for something. Yeah. Like, I talked about all the jobs that come up. Mm-hmm. But on the state level, I didn't even talk about the local jobs. Because if I talk about the sheer number of local elected officials there actually are in this country, people's heads will like go, Explode. wait, what? Right. There's so many elected jobs out there. Right. A lot of them, the, the big high-profile ones are really expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like expensive to run for Congress. That's mm-hmm. true. Right. It's relatively inexpensive to run for a lot of local positions. Right. Because there's not a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And the people running for them are typically just people who care enough to get ballots and get their name on the ballot. And, and, you know, they do the thing where they collect the signatures and they Mm -hmm. get, they just care enough to get on the ballot Mm -hmm. and then they run basically unopposed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how it actually works at the local level, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying like, go run for the U S Congress. That's Mm -hmm. really expensive, but run in your community. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of elected jobs in people's communities. and like, run for something. Mm -hmm. You may not win, Mm -hmm. But if I run and there's a thousand people who vote for me, right. that means whoever wins now knows. You've got a thousand person coalition. Exactly. <laughs> they, hey, you, you may beat me, right. but me and my thousand friends, right. as soon as you win, mm-hmm. I'm calling you day one. We're coming to visit. <laughs> Congratulations. So get the I'm coffee conceding. on. <laughs> here's, what I, here's what I expect now that I have conceded to you. Right. I am listening. And I will run again mm-hmm. in another two years. Just so, so, like, so you will You'll hear right. from me again. You're right. going to hear from me. Repeatedly. Right. You don't have to win. You just have to challenge them to make to let them know. Because sometimes that drives change. That Absolutely. forces the discussion. Yeah. And so many elections, you've seen that when people have been enough of a threat. Yes. Exactly. Be, exactly. A, be a fly in the ointment. Before, I don't know if you finished your last point there. But go ahead. But before we close this thing out at some point, I, I would be remiss in not mentioning all the violence that we're kind of seeing today yes. anyway. Yes. With our gun violence, would you consider that political violence? Because there's a lot of politics around gun violence and children, as yes. I researched, are now the number one killer of children yes. are guns, is gun violence. Yes. I would, I don't consider it political violence in the sense that the motivations, well, some of the motivations have been Some of them have political. been political, if, um, regardless of whether one agrees or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of them have been. I mean, again, members of Congress were shot at at the baseball game not mm-hmm. that long ago. Right. That was obviously political. I mean, I just saw this morning before we recorded a, a judge was uh, killed in Wisconsin. Oh, my. Um, okay. And the guy was also planning, I guess, on, on targeting the governor of Wisconsin as well. Wow for a previous case. Is that political? I don't know if that's political. I do know that judges being seen as legitimate targets of violence is political. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, That is a thing mm-hmm. that is unfortunately new to our politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's probably a part of politics. Mm-hmm. The general state of guns is a failure of politics, certainly. Mm-hmm. Is it their fault 
Is it because of politics that kids are getting killed by guns? I don't know if it's because of politics, but I know the fact that we have so many guns is because of politics. I yeah. think part of the problem is our interpretation of the Second Amendment. Yeah. And what we think it means as opposed to how we live yes. today. Yes. So I think that, that a lot of it starts there. Yes. And then the other part of it is um, that defines how accessible we make right. guns. Right. And the inability to the inability to pass amendments to our constitution is politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Second Amendment is only permanent because no one thinks we can amend the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the true with all amendments, mm-hmm. and even the ones that like I may agree with, I actually recognize they're only permanent because we can no longer amend anything. Right. That goes back to strategy. Right? right. This is a perfect opportunity for people who where this is an issue to form the very strategy that you talked about. Right. Where whether it's seating judges, seating elected officials, all on whatever their issue is, whether they believe that yes. open access or no access, and actually are limited. I'll take it even a little, a little because now that we're talking through it, recently while the Washington Post was looking at the guns, they commented how a lot of gun crimes aren't actually prosecuted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the the whole follow the laws on the books that you hear from people who don't think we should have more gun laws. Part of that is true, actually. Mm-hmm. We actually do have quite a few gun laws on the books that we're choosing not to follow. So how is that politics? Well, you elect the attorney general. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You do. Well, I mean, we've had that issue in the state of Indiana. Right. right? Your, yeah. your, your lead state prosecutors, you do elect that person. Right, right. That's true. That is a the person who makes a lot of charging decisions for the state. Mm-hmm. You do elect them. And if you aren't happy... With the charging Start decisions there. they're making, Start there. you could change it. I just said in the last podcast, there's over, there's like 35 attorney generals who are up this fall. If you don't like their charging decisions, you could choose someone else mm. and mm. go, hey, are you going to make different charging decisions around guns? Now, again, mm. if people don't care, I'm not talking about what, what I think people should do. Just illustrating, mm-hmm. if you're not happy with the charging decisions your attorney general is making about guns, you could change the attorney general. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a very, very good way to kind of point people in yeah. a direction that yeah. is uh, realistic and possible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to the like crazy, you know, suggestions we hear around what to do about guns. You go, well, change your attorney general mm-hmm. if you want to. But that's certainly within reach. Yeah. I mean, and there are states that do this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there was a recall, the recall in California. Well, maybe looking at the recall with their attorney general because of his prosecuting decisions around things like some drug crimes. He's found himself in some (laughs) some hot water. But But he's elected. uh, As chaotic as that has been, they are doing what they're supposed to do. Look, we we elected you to do a thing. Mm -hmm. It turns out that what you're doing is not the thing we wanted you to do. Right. So you 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 fired. You might be fired. Right. We're going to have recall. Right. Hey. And like recall votes are crazy, right? Because we go, not only... Are we not only are we unhappy with you, we're going to bring you back for another chance, another vote before your term's even up. You go, hey, come back. Right. We're going to fire you mid. We're going to fire you mid sentence. Wow. Like midterm. Like, wow, that's crazy. I have six years. No, you don't. You got to come back right now because we hate you so much. We're going to change you in the middle of your term. Wow. (laughs) You don't even get to finish the job. Mm. To be like, that's like, it's like people get you fired the in their first 30 days. Right. You know, the 30 day trial period. Exactly. They go, if you call in one time, you get fired. Right. This is like that. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. We're, we're, yeah. 
I've seen enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Anthony. Yeah. You've been here for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough, buddy. Right. I'm going to fire you. Yeah. I don't need to give you the whole 30 days. Right, right, right. There's no need. No need. No need. And voters have to start <laughs> feeling that type right. of empowerment. Right. I don't need your direct deposit information because no, no, you're not making even, it to the second check. You didn't even clock. You didn't clock in. Make a check up right, on paper. Right, exactly. We're done here. That's what they're doing. That's what a recall vote is. Right. That's right. that's. But whether you have a recall in the mist or you have a recall at the yep. booth, yeah. You know, you yep. voters have an opportunity to set their elected officials on the path that they yep. deem fit yep. for the lives that they want to live. Yep. And, you know, local politics is highly ignored, but there's a lot of power left on the table a lot. that we just don't really, I don't think we truly understand. So I'd like to encourage people to definitely research their local uh, elections and local elected officials and yep. and find out when these elections are taking place. Run for an office. Uh, encourage friends you yep. feel are qualified to run for an office so that you can have someone in there who will answer your calls and who yep. will answer your concerns. Yep. Yep. And on that, thank you, Francine, for joining me. Thank you. I'd also like to thank all of you for sticking with me. Uh, this was not always a pleasant topic, but I, I obviously do think it was an essential one. Uh, politics is messy, so our conversations are going to sometimes be messy, too. But maybe if we start having smarter conversations, we can sort through all this and build something better. As always, I want to encourage you all to continue the discussion on our social media pages, either on Facebook or Instagram. And like all of our shows here, this podcast is brought to you in part by Eliag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and Pointcast News. To listen to any of our podcasts, you can visit our website at pointcast.news or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcast. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>